Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day out there. This is part two to the Christian Challenge, where I'm going to ask some different questions, and I'll probably do a little bit of storytelling as well. A lot of my audience and people who subscribe to me, they like to hear some of my stories. I remember uh, it's only been like six years since I started believing in God and I found the position to be rational and logical and reasonable for me. And I know some atheists out there be like, how is it reasonable to believe that there's a big time intelligent consciousness that exists out in the universe or perhaps exists outside the universe that started things? Well, I've listened to the atheist explanation, the idea of things coming from nothing, and that just doesn't work for me. I've never seen something just magically appear out of nowhere before. And then they tell me that at one point in time, my great-grandfather a billion years ago was a, a primitive squirrel or shrew like that of an ancient rat running around hanging out with dinosaurs who had... Uh, gas problems apparently farting themselves into extinction while also uh, dealing with a meteorite from space so i don't know uh, some of you guys' views sound just as whacked out some of you believe that you come from the womb of a baboon or snot on a rock that was hit by lightning and voila here we are your story is quite extraordinary and unusual and i haven't seen a whole lot of evidence for any of your claims i mean just by saying, well, science says so, that's not really, uh, that's like just uh, like a five-year-old. Well, the cartoon says so. <laughs> so, yeah, as many of you know, I'm very open-minded. Whenever I uh, first started believing in God, one of, one of the first things I wanted to do with myself was try to attend a church. My family uh, had basically had enough of me whenever I was a non-believer because I was constantly questioning and sometimes I picked the wrong times to be able to talk about things because I've always been very outspoken. You could be, uh, my family members could take me out to eat somewhere and we'd be eating steak and I would just out and say, so how do you think this God does this? Um, how does this work in religion? Oh, and by the way, I was reading this passage in the Bible and I found this very unusual. What do you think about this? My family just shook their head. They're like, look, no philosophy, no God talk, no extraordinary things that you discovered in science. We're just trying to eat our mac and cheese situation. We don't want to hear all that. I got a lot of family members bugged by that. Irritated them. Irritated them. They didn't like that at all. They said, look, can't you just keep your atheism to yourself? But that's that's the way I've always been. I've always been the type of person that's always wanting to know as much as I possibly can. There are things that I am just simply obsessed and fascinated with. I'm almost OCD over. I got to know things and I got to know them quickly or I at least got to be directed to a place where I believe that I might find that information. And I'm not talking about these type of people stand on the road and you ask for directions. So uh, where's the library at? Well, if you turn left down that street over there where the construction's being done, and then you turn right through that alleyway over there, 
and is it left or right if you get to the end of the road and you go that, that you know i like to know exactly where the hell i'm going before i waste a whole lot of time and and all this but one thing i discovered is uh my grandfather, he was really into, right, you need to become a part of a church. You need to become a part of this because you'll have a community. There'll be people who are dig you and all this. Now, my grandfather and I, I love him very much. And I think in his own unusual way, he loves me. He's, uh, he's helped out uh, my wife and I quite a bit in the past. And uh, I've often had this idea that one of the reasons why he helps me is because of the fact that my mother committed suicide, which was his daughter, and he felt that he needed to take up some kind of form of responsibility for us, I suppose. But the problem is, is he doesn't really ever call or contact us. He doesn't ever ask, how's the kids doing? I never get like a message from him saying, I hope you're doing well today. It seems like the only time he wanted to talk to me was when he was inviting me out to church or he wanted me to be a part of a Bible study or something like that. And that's very confusing for me because there doesn't seem to be like the love of just wanting to hang out with your grandson or just wanting to get to know how your day is. It's, I want somebody to go along with me to church. I want somebody to tag along. And I already know that he's already asked several other family members. So I figured, why not? This was when I first started becoming a, a believer. I was invited out to do this. Well, something unusual happened. My grandfather's got a really wicked sense of humor. And he's one of those old school type of guys. You know, one of those type of guys who back in the, back in the day where they don't believe in like hospitals and you know, if you get sick and everything, just brush it off kind of deal. You know, COVID came along. I ah, just brush it off there, buddy. It'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah, back in my day, we used to floss with the nails, rusty nails and all that. Used to walk 20 miles to school. We only had one T-shirt. Every single day, we had to spray paint it a different color. That way, we weren't mocked by our fellow uh, students <laughs> well it wasn't that bad but i'm just trying to be cute so what happens is is he's aware that i was diagnosed years ago whenever i was a teenager for having bipolar manic depression and for those that don't know what that's like what that experience is is some times you wake up in the morning and you feel like you're absolutely on top of the world. It's like your body's naturally producing these highs where you just feel like everything's great. You're talking at 100 miles per hour. You're absorbing everything around you. You're moving like a, a damn bunny rabbit with batteries in it. You know that Duracell commercial or Energizer or whatever. It just keeps going. It keeps going. But some days you wake up and no matter how good things are going for you, you're worried, you're sick, you're paranoid. You think that nobody loves you, nobody cares about you, and you feel like the whole world's coming apart around you. And you start asking your questions. Why am I here? Why do I even bother? The world would be a better place if I just jumped in a Tonka truck or a three-wheeler and just drove my ass right off a cliff. That's what happens when you're a bipolar manic depression 
one minute you're just on top of the world you're ready to save the world you know become a part of some kind of ministry off in africa and feed all the starving people and then one day you're just like oh you don't even want to get up you don't even want to see the sky even the sky makes your eyes rain it's sad it's sad so we get to the church and right off the bat, the preacher's outside and a whole bunch of people. And my grandfather says, hey, this is my grandson I was telling you all about, the guy with mental illness, the crazy guy. And I looked over at my grandpa and I'm like, wow, you did, you just did that, didn't you? You just, you just fucking dropped bombs on me. It's the first time these people ever met me. And you're telling them that I'm fucking crazy. You're telling them that I'm insane because I have bipolar manic depression. Now, technically, bipolar manic depression can be considered a mental illness. It can, uh, it can also be considered very uncomfortable to hang out with a person that has these kind of problems because it may come off as though the person's needy sometimes. When you start having that negative downfall, you start wanting, how shall I say, reassurance. You kind of require for somebody or something to bring you out of the hole. Now, I've gotten better as an adult. When I was younger, it was just crash and burn. But nowadays, I'm able to like tell myself, Brett, it's just the chemicals. It's just the bad chemistry in your head. Get over it, son of a bitch. And I'm able to, um, I've got kind of a routine. I do things to try to pull myself out of it so I don't go into the deepest, darkest, most severe concept of depression. I'm talking about the kind that is suicidal and just sick of life. And it's also really helped for the fact that I have a wife and two beautiful children. Whenever I'm able to look at the beautiful things in my life and, uh, when you get that hug or told that I love you by someone you love, that really helps. That, sometimes my daughter can give me a hug and then within five seconds, everything just, the darkness just lights up. She's like a, I call her, I give her the nickname Healing Hands. Her name's Angelica, which is long for angel. The same with my son. Same with my son. He has this ability too. He also sometimes has the ability to say some pretty uh, rough uh, shit that can just send me into a spiral as well. Well, the point is, is that I attempted to go to church with my grandfather. And it's the only church that's really close. All the other churches are real far out. And unfortunately, I have this problem called agoraphobia. Where sometimes I can go out in open areas, sometimes I can go out on the highway, and sometimes I can't. It depends. It seems like whenever I'm having a depression problem, it also somehow affects in correlation with my open area problem. It's like if I'm depressed, then it gets scary whenever I got, go out in open areas and I start having major anxiety. But if I'm in a good mood or I'm being funny or I'm trying to be silly or something and I'm feeling good that day, I could actually walk around in a field a little bit and do something silly. It's not always, but sometimes it's possible. And I try to use those good days to try to get better at agoraphobia. 
So here's some of my questions. Let me get into it. I've been sharing a lot of personal things about myself that some of you already know and some of you uh, don't. But sometimes I get to miss in the days. I know this is going to come off weird. Trust me. I don't plan on losing my faith or giving up my faith. But I remember whenever I wasn't believing in God, how nice and loving Christians used to be towards me. Not all of them. Some of them told me I was going to burn in hell and get raped in the ass by Satan. But some of them, they were extraordinary. Day or night. Whenever I needed someone or I needed somebody to talk to, there was always some Christian who was had this agenda where they had to save me, that they wanted to convert my soul, bring me out of the darkness. And that really, really helped me with my depression. It really did. It was like there was always some Christian woman or Christian man or uh, young Christian adult who was always kind of like uh, ready at any time, and they would tell me, hey, Brett, if you ever need to talk, if you're ever feeling down or, you know, you want to debate or have a discussion or an argument, let's do that. And they would come to my chat rooms. They'd talk to me in private. They'd call me on the phone. And it was like day in and day out, I always felt like I had some kind of support structure. However, something happened. (laughs) something really odd happened here, folks. When I converted to believing in God, suddenly I started having Christians yelling at me and making ignorant-ass videos as well as comments towards me saying, you don't believe in God properly, you're going to hell. It's like they were getting mad at me now. I believe in God now, but then they're giving me shit about how I believe in God. And I told them, why don't we talk about it like we used to in the past before I became a believer and explain to me how I should properly now believe in God. And some of these people, it's like, how do I put this? It's like once they got me converted, they didn't want to have shit to do with me anymore. They didn't want to talk to me anymore. They didn't want to make time for me. It's like the only thing they wanted was to get brownie points with Jesus. They just wanted me to be like a mark on their wall. I saved this guy today. I got this guy. Is that what I am to some people, just currency? Is that what some atheists are on the internet when you're talking to them and you're arguing with them and debating them? Are they simply currency So you feel validated in your own belief and also think that somehow it's going to ensure that you get eternal life, that you don't really give a shit about the people that you're talking to that were nothing more than tokens to you. That's the idea that I got. It's the idea I got because literally 90% of these people who claim they loved me and cared about me who wanted to talk to me, all of a sudden didn't want those connections anymore. And some of them either said, I'm just too busy or I can't talk to you anymore. People I used to talk to for years, or they simply said, well, Brett, you don't worship God the way I instructed you to. 
He said, I believed in God, and there was quite a bit of things if we would have sat down that I most likely agreed with them on, but we all have our own different walks. And whenever I was left alone so long from being able to have a Bible study or be able to communicate with a Christian community, I started getting my own ideas how things run doing my own Bible study, doing my own information. And for some reason, this triggered people. It got people pissed off. But the thing that was most disappointing of all was I felt like a survived abortion. And let me explain what that means for for the people out there who may be sitting back in your chair going, whoa, what the hell does that mean? It's kind of like a mother who's scared. And she was thinking about getting an abortion because she's afraid that if she brings a child into the world, it's going to be inconvenient for her, dangerous, scary. She can't even take care of herself. How is she going to take care of a baby? Babies are extremely um, taxing. They're very, very needy. They need help. Well, you'll notice that a lot of Christians like to run to these abortion clinics or they like to get on TV or on video talking about how terrible it is for women to murder their own babies. And they will fight and argue and they'll damn near uh, allow themselves to be ran over by cars in the parking lot of an abortion clinic to protect the life form that is inside the womb of a woman. However, (laughs) when the baby's born... All these Christians who are arguing for protect the life are gone. They're no longer there. They don't even send a Christmas card or ask how the baby's doing later on down the road. Now, I'm not saying all Christians are like that. Even in my own case, there's a few Christians out there that have stuck by me where you'll you'll say, Hey, Brett, I hope you're doing all right. I love you. I hope God's been good to you. Some of you will text me like every couple months. Hey, man, how you been doing? Sorry, I haven't caught up with you. How you doing? You still doing the God TV radio? You still doing this? And I've had quite a few of them say, hey, if you start getting your show going again, I'll be more than happy to come on there. But none of them say, hey, I wouldn't mind talking to you in private sometimes. See how you're doing, how your family's doing. How's Dawn doing? How's the kids? How's your daughter's health? Nothing. And I can't really, how do I put it? How do I explain what that's like? It sucks. And I get to thinking to myself, I feel so sorry for the atheist out there who do decide that they want to change their mind. There are some non-believers out there where they're thinking, should I convert over? Some of this makes sense to me. Some of these Christians are saying things that are making me think about stuff. And I feel sorry for them because I know that some of you out there, you don't really care. You don't really care about their soul. It's good that you get people converted. It's good that you get people on the right track or at least open the minds and the hearts of people so they'll head in the direction of God. But some of you, you're just looking for somebody to yell at or argue with. And some of you are just looking for validation because if other people think like you, then that must mean you're right. 
that must mean you're right with Jesus. And that's a really poor way to look at things, folks. I can honestly say, even though I get irritated with folks and sometimes I'll cuss and I'll even call some names whenever someone pisses me off. If somebody slaps me, they might get slapped back. Very good possibility. But in my heart, I know that it's not just a matter of trying to help someone find their way, but I want to be there with them all the way through. I love people. I care about people. And I want to be able to not just get people to open their mind, but I want them to know that they have a friend, that someone actually cares about them, that they're not alone, that there's that waking up in the morning, there's good reason for it, to have that hope. Where some of you, you don't care, do you? People like me, people like these guys and women out here, they're nothing more than brownie points for you. Nothing more than internet cookies so you can look good and boast. And, you know, do, they say a pride before the fall, but a lot of Christians are very prideful. You don't give a rat's ass. It's almost like there's only one level to you, one surface where it's like you'll do anything that you can to convert somebody if you think you can, but afterwards, unless that person's going to your church, unless that person's in your circle, that's it. That's it. They're cut off. And I guess my question is why? Why is that? Is that the reason why Jesus says the way is narrow? Because some of you are just nothing more than talkers. You don't really love the people you're trying to save. You're not actually caring about the person's health or their welfare. You're just caring about, can I get the soul through the door? And then whatever happens, happens. Have you ever contemplated that all the people that you may have gotten to actually convert? You're going to be spending all eternity with these people. Do you really want to? Will you be happy to find all the people that you left behind or left in the dust after you got what you wanted out of them? I've often wondered that myself. If I manage to not burn in hell or be annihilated through annihilationism, all these people out here who may have uh, listened to my videos, <clears throat> listen to me talk, What's it going to be like spending all eternity with these folks? I know some of you would be like, yeah, I'd like to hang out with Brett Keen. He's awesome. Yeah. But some of you, you're like, yeah, Brett Keen's got some good points. I'm not really sure I'd want to live with the guy or something. <laughs> right, right. No, I'll be honest with you. <clears throat> this kind of treatment has been very destructive for my heart and my soul. There's been many times where I'm like, what the hell happened? And I know some of the Christians out there say, well, Brett, you know, I, I don't feel like you did the right way of being a Christian. I don't feel like you interpreted the verses right. And you just seem like you got on the wrong road whenever it came to God or whatever stupid bullshit justifications you are. 
that you have that you've made up on why it is that you act the way you do. I don't know. But the ones who stuck by me, I appreciate that. The ones who showed your love, I appreciate that. And I hope that you feel I've done the same for you as well. This video has been more of a an eye-opener type of video than opposed to actually asking questions. But I think that a lot of questions could be found in the parameters of the stories that I've told you guys. I guess the question is, do you really give a shit? Do you really care? Does it matter to you? Because nowadays when I look on YouTube, all I see is videos repeatedly where people are arguing about fucking evolution, the Big Bang. <laughs> Nobody's talking about how we should have better relationships with each other, that we should love each other, that we should have each other's back. Nah, it's just, it seems like the Christians found something they can beat the shit out of the atheists with, and the atheists are still parroting the same bullshit they've done for the last 20 years. And uh, I just don't, I don't feel like uh, when I look at social media, I don't feel like any of these people give a shit at all. Maybe that's wrong of me. Maybe I'm in the wrong circles. Maybe I'm not in enough circles. I don't know. But I know that I've made a real fucking effort to uh, seek out people. And I also know the more and more every single day that goes by that I'm not able to find a good support system or a good Christian community to be a part of, the more I find myself just letting loose and cussing and getting more and more pissed off and frustrated at what I'm seeing around me. However, still believe in God. I'm still going to try to open the hearts and minds of people because I truly do care about people. And I'm still going to try to be friends with people. But we need to be adults. We need to learn how to have someone criticize us or disagree with us, yet still love the person and be able to work things out. That's something I need to work on. I still got a lot of problems. And maybe if I had more uh, support behind me and more wise Christians who've been doing this for a lot longer than me, helping me pull this weight, these bricks that I have in this bag, it'd be more helpful. Who knows? I will never uh, find myself back in atheism, but I can see myself easily falling into a, a crevice and where I believe in God, but I can't stand religious people or non-believers, not a damn bit. I could easily see myself falling into that where I lose all hope in people and humanity. Yeah, that wouldn't be hard at all. Mm. All right, ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful day. God bless. We hope that you've been enjoying God TV Radio hosted by Brett Keen. When you get an opportunity, check out our public radio station. Check out our books, music, and art. You can also buy t-shirts if you would like to support us. If you don't want a t-shirt, you don't want books, you don't want music, well, you could always do a one-time donation through PayPal. Any support is appreciated. God bless.